Our reading today comes from Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, reading the whole chapter. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Thanks, Rod, and good morning to you all. Um, We have a subsequent reading, another one, uh, from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, which is one of the the New Testament commentaries on the life of Jonah given by our Lord Jesus Christ. So um, could I ask you just to turn there briefly, Matthew 12 and verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Amen. May God's word uh, touch our hearts. So back to, back to Jonah 2, which of course is, is Jonah's uh, prayer. I think at the outset we should be clear about what prayer is and what it's not. Sometimes in general people when they talk about prayer use it in the sense of it just being a desire or, or an aspiration that they have. On the contrary, prayer is a direct communication with God. It is speaking to the God of heaven. And if there's anything that comes out of this passage today, uh, it is about the fact of prayer that we can pray anywhere and at any time. Now look at uh, Jonah's situation. He's in the belly of this, this fish. He's there for three days. And three nights, try to imagine that. Try to imagine the stench, uh, the darkness, uh, the fear, um, the, the gastric acid that burns his skin and his, and, and, and his hair. I think that when Jonah was eventually vomited out and went to Nineveh, that his skin was all bleached, you know, because of the experience in the fish. So there he is. Powerless, helpless, frightened, 
What can he do? The thing that he does here is he prays to God. And he prays despite the fact that he has been disobedient, that he's been petulant, uh, that he's been some, somebody who has, who has not fallen into what the Lord would have expected him to do. And yet despite all of that, his only recourse is that he prays to God. Now what a lesson that is uh, for all of us who are here today. A lesson about despite our circumstances in life, whatever they might be, the difficulty of them, the complexity of them, wherever we might be as far as our spiritual state is concerned, that there is this hope that comes to us from a passage like this, that if we turn to the Lord and cry out to him, the Lord will hear our prayer. Now that's something that we can take on board, the importance of prayer personally at an individual level. And of course it's something that we always want to emphasize as far as the church in general is concerned. Now there are three things that I want to highlight uh, as far as his prayer is concerned. You'll see them on the screen here. The first thing I want to say is obviously this was a prayer that, that arose out of the distress that, that Jonah was in. Uh, I mean, this must have been a terrifying experience. Uh, the storm was bad enough. You know, the sailors were terrified and afraid uh, when the storm hit them, and, the, and they thought they were going to capsize and drown. But this is another level altogether. Well, that wasn't meant to really be a kind of joke, but it was certainly another level uh, underneath uh, uh, the ocean. And uh, he's in distress. I guess that he thought that he was going to drown. I mean, you can see that from some of the phrases in the, in the prayer. Verse number three talks about all the waves and the billows that are passing over him. Verse two talks about him descending down into the, the belly of Sheol, the place of the dead, and uh, down to, to the land, verse six, where it says, the bars will close upon me. Uh, forever and no one knew he was there no one knew where he was everybody else thought he was gone and uh, he didn't have much aspiration as well I mean I think during the course of this week with that uh, terrible incident about the submersible and the Titanic um, initially you know a lot of us were, were almost kind of uh, relating to that how would we feel if, if, if it just was the case that communication had been lost and nobody knew where we were. How could they find us? And our oxygen supply was running out gradually and the, the clock was ticking as far as that was concerned. I mean, if ever there was a distressing situation, I mean, Jonah's certainly was that. And what can he do? All he can do is he can cry to the Lord. Now, when he cried to the Lord, I don't suppose the sound of his voice penetrated the body of that fish. I don't suppose if there were these kind of sensors or sonars that had been placed in the ocean round about that place, I don't think they would have picked up anything as far as the audible voice of Jonah was concerned. You know, there's all these meters of ocean between him. The thing is this, the great thing is this, 
that it, the, the prayer of Jonah was heard in God's heaven. God heard the prayer of Jonah. Despite all his incancelatress, despite all the problems, everything that he'd, he'd gone through, God listened. And he says, verse 2, God answered me. Verse 7, my prayer came to you. And again, what a wonderful lesson and encouragement that is for all of us here today. That despite the depths at times of our distress and maybe even despair, despite the depths perhaps of mistakes and flaws and disappointments personally in all of our lives, we can pray to God. And our voice, our prayer, will be heard in the presence of God. Never listen to the word that says, God won't hear your prayer. Never listen to the word that says, you've gone too far. You've sunk too deep. Things are too complicated. You can't bring that to God in prayer. That's the lie of the devil. If ever there's a message to us this morning, it's this. That God hears our prayer. I mean, there are so many other examples of this in Scripture. You remember the poor tax collector that Jesus talked about, who wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, who who smote his breast as he was praying, and said, God, please be merciful to me, the sinner. And that man's prayer was heard. You, You go through the Psalms of David, so many difficult circumstances he finds himself in. I was sinking in that terrible pit into the miry clay and yet you drew me out of that pit. You placed my feet upon the rock. You put a new song in my mouth. You established the way that I'm going in. You've given me praise. God will hear our voice and so we can come to him in prayer. Can I say, you know, to believers in our Lord Jesus this morning, When we come in prayer, there are so many reassurances that God welcomes us into his presence. One of the great passages I like to think about, you might want to read this one later on, is in the middle of Hebrews chapter 10, uh, where he says this. He says, you know, I want want you to be encouraged to to come with boldness, to, to come with confidence, to come with assurance to the throne of grace, and as you do so, remember that you, 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 you have been washed clean by the blood of Christ. Remember that you have a, a great high priest over the house of God. Remember that a new and a living way has been opened up for you through his body, that is to say his flesh. And remember all of these things. And as you remember them, come with confidence. Come with assurance. And the recognition that God hears your prayers. Just another thing under this heading actually. Um, He's praying. He's praying because of God's discipline upon him. Now if you look at verse 3 where it says. You cast me into the deep. Into the heart of the sea. See, God, God has got Jonah's attention here. God, God could have allowed Jonah just to keep on running. You know, when he paid the fare, got on the boat, 
was going to Tarshish. He could have waved them goodbye, so to speak, and just let him go on his merry way. But God, God intervenes to bring him to this, this sense of, of despair so that he will turn to the Lord again. It's the, it's God's doing that this is all happening to him. Now, you know, this, this is often a very difficult subject to address. But what we can say that there are occasions in which God, in his mercy, will sometimes discipline his children for their own good. You know, again, the book of Hebrews has something to say that, about that in Hebrews chapter 12. You know, if a father has no care or concern about his children or a mother, they, they, they won't train them. They won't discipline I mean, somebody who just keeps their hands off and lets them do whatever they want is not showing love and concern. In the same way, God in his goodness will will intervene and he will discipline to help his child. And, And that is really what is happening here as far as Jonah's experience. God is not, of course, just playing games with him. But in his goodness, he's trying to prevent his foolish behavior as verse 8 puts it it's it's his steadfast love that deals with jonah and that's what god often will do with us in his mercy as well this is intended to turn our hearts to seek god again i think it was c.s lewis who said that pain is is god's megaphone to us at times To get our attention. To waken up. To turn our hearts towards God and his goodness. Second point. This prayer, uh, not only out of distress, but a prayer that, that is grateful for salvation. Um, of course, this, this is written in retrospect. I mean, Jonah down swilling around among the, the fishes and crabs down in the, in the gastric juices is, is not, is not penning these words at the time, you know. It's afterwards, you know, his recollection he puts down, yeah, much of this is in the past tense, or he dictates it to somebody else. Uh, but he, he's, he's grateful for, for saving him, as we were just singing, you know, thank you. For saving me is really just what he's, 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 he's saying here. Verse 6. You brought my life from the pit. Verse 9. This great statement. When he says that salvation comes from the Lord. He's been saved. He writes this after the event. God listened to his prayer of distress. And so this prayer is now a prayer of gratitude for the salvation that he has experienced. As I said earlier, no one, not least Jonah initially, perhaps gave himself any hope of being saved, of surviving this catastrophic event. But God brought around an astonishing rescue uh, for him. Now look how um, God's sovereignty and God's intervention is all over this story here. Uh, There's a word that's repeated quite a number of times. And the word is appointed. The Lord appointed. Look at verse 117. Of course, the Lord had already appointed that storm. Verse chapter 117. The Lord appointed a great fish. 
You then go over to chapter 4 and verse 6. The Lord God appointed a plant. Chapter 4, verse 7. God appointed a worm. And we'll get to all of these things, God willing, in due course to learn the significance of them. But the point is that God is involved. God is intervening. God is sovereign. God is appointing these things as part of what uh, is going on here. And as he says here in verse 9, salvation comes from the Lord. Here is something that God appoints, that God, God gives, that God offers. And in our case, it is salvation from, from sin, from, from the guilt of our sin and breaking the laws of God, of falling short of his standards, of living for ourselves and, and not for him, of not loving the Lord our God with all our hearts and strength. And we, we need God's salvation. What a wonderful word that is in the Bible, to be, to be saved. The need for rescue, more, more than the need to be rescued from, from the ocean. You know, to be rescued from the terrible predicament of, of our sins and standing before God with them unforgiven one day. And, and this is the great message of, of Scripture from beginning to end. It's the message of salvation. That's what we've been thinking about as we've remembered the Lord today. That his body was given and his blood was shed upon the cross at Calvary so that we could be saved. And how frequently this word comes up in our Bibles. The early church preached that, you know, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I mean, that was the exclusive message of the early church. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ. You remember the story of the jailer in Acts 16. The earthquake takes place. It's bedlam all around him. But his cry is about his soul. And whether it's well with his soul. And he says, what must I do to be saved? And the, the answer is immediate and it's specific and it's clear. It's to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. This, it's the same message as far as we're concerned. The necessity for, for salvation. Now... That's the greatest source of joy that anyone could have. To be grateful for what God has done. Thank you for saving me. You know, what could I say? We were singing at the wedding yesterday. You know, just this verse from Amazing Grace just kind of jumped out at me yesterday. You know, it said, how, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. You know, the preciousness of God's amazing grace in his salvation. You know, to, to, to understand what that has done for me in saving me from my sin. And this, this should be a, we should learn about praying gratitude, thankfulness as far as salvation is concerned. Now, bear with me on this one, okay? I want, and this is where our second reading came in actually in Matthew chapter 12 because it seems to me pretty clear from that that what takes place here as far as Jonah's experience in the belly of the fish is a picture to us 
of the death of Christ. And of course, the death of Christ is the only reason that we can experience salvation. Everything comes from that. We have to have faith in Christ and Christ alone and his finished work upon the cross to deal with our sin. And and this is a picture of it. Matthew 12, just to remind you, the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious people, they come to the Lord Jesus, they're asking him for a sign, we don't really believe in you, but if you give us some sign or other, something really, you know, dramatic and out of the ordinary, yes, we would believe, show us a sign. Jesus knew that this was just a bit of a smokescreen, you know, for their unbelief and the hardness of their heart, and he said, there's not going to be a sign given to you. The only sign has already been given. And that is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Because as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Which, of course, happened. After the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, they take the body of Christ down and it's buried in Joseph's tomb. And for three days and three nights, he's there until that great resurrection morning when Christ rises from the dead. I mean, who of us in reading Jonah chapter 2 would have got to that point, you know, and seen that there? But the Lord Jesus tells us that and of course that's the great thing about scripture that there are insights and there are levels and depths to it that you know sometimes are just beyond the surface reading and the new testament not that we have to use our imaginations and let them go wild but the new testament does give us commentaries on some of these things now you'll notice that um and i'm going to just try and develop this a little bit the descent of Christ into death into the grave was a more horrifying thing than Jonah ever experienced as he sunk down to the depths of the ocean we're not talking of course about the physical sufferings of Christ terrible although they were we're talking about what actually was taking place that was unique about the death of the Lord Jesus and what was happening as he sunk down into the heart of the earth was that he was being held accountable for the sins of humanity for my sins and shortcomings and for yours as well because the wages of sin is death we will all need to be accountable for our sins of commission or omission and the Lord Jesus and his love became the Lamb of God to bear away the sin of the world. And that, that was a horrifying experience for him. To be made sin for us. And he suffered for that. Suffered terribly. Abandoned by God. Why have you forsaken me? And he sinks down. And interestingly, Jonah here, he quotes from what we refer to as a messianic psalm. He knew his psalms. You know, and he quotes from Psalm number 69 in verse 3, where he talks about, You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Now, if you were to turn to Psalm 69, that, that, that comes up there. And that's not the only verse that comes up in that psalm, actually. 
That's a psalm that also talks about two other things that came up in the life of Christ. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. And secondly, they gave me vinegar to drink. You know, quoted again at the crucifixion. So the point that we're making here is that in this experience, there's a, there's a deeper message. There's a messianic psalm that's connected into it. Jesus has referred to it. It's telling us something about the death of Christ. There's another kind of interesting point here as well, actually, um, where it tells us uh, that the weeds, in verse number 5, wrap themselves round about Jonah's head as he was down there. You know, the weeds, the first time we read about weeds in the Bible uh, is immediately after the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. There didn't used to be any weeds. And as part of the curse that was pronounced upon our world that affects all of us, affects the world in a wider sense, affects everything. The curse that has been placed upon our world and humanity, weeds and thistles and briars began to grow. So in a sense, the weeds are a sign of the curse that has been placed upon us. They wrap themselves around about the head of Jonah. Now, it's not a massive jump, is it, to look again to the crucifixion? Many commentators have made this point over the years. They made a crown of thorns and they thrust it upon his head. Now, oftentimes we, in everyday contemporary life, when we hear this, it was a crown of thorns. You know, it's used in a sense that somebody got some promotion, but there was a difficulty that came with that promotion. They got the crown, but it was a crown of thorns. You know, the point is this, that as Jesus died, he was dying, bearing the curse of sin. Now again, another bit of homework. If you want to go and read Galatians chapter 3 afterwards, it tells us this here, that Cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. You know, that, that, that was the whole point of crucifixion. Suspended between heaven and earth. Cursed by God. Cursed by men. Unwanted. And Christ became the curse. And he wore upon his head the symbol of the curse. And this is the wonderful thing that we can be so grateful for as far as salvation is concerned today that the curse of sin has been broken by Christ's death. And salvation is a real thing. It's a real possibility. So that we can say, it is well with my soul. Christ has saved me. My sins are gone. He bore the curse instead of me. What a wonderful thing for us to be able to enjoy and to give thanks for today. Final point. This is also a prayer that has to do with the renewal of, of his vows. You'll see that in verse number 9, where he says, With the voice of thanksgiving I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. You know, he had made vows originally. There had been a point in his life where he had been kind of, I guess, inducted as a prophet of God, Jonah the prophet, 
You know, maybe there were other prophets round about in the ceremony at the time. They'd prayed for him. They'd sent him out. And he'd been trying to do that. Um, but, but he'd kind of he'd chucked the vows. You know, he'd cast them aside. This thing about going to Nineveh was too much for him. You know, he, he, he allowed his kind of disapproval of the city of Nineveh to get in the way. He just didn't want to give the gospel to these people. They were beyond the pale as far as he was concerned. And he runs from God and he chucks his vows overboard. But now, at this point, out of his distress, gratitude for salvation, praying to God... It brings him now to this stage, which is the point that God wants to bring him to, that he renews his vows to God again. Vows to God. I will, I will take my stand upon the word of God. I believe in the word of God. And I will, I will deliver the gospel to Nineveh. Now, now we'll know what vows are again we were at the wedding yesterday we heard solemn vows that were being made you know i promise i promise as a sign of my promise you know things that are said we all know that sometimes solemn vows that we have made can be allowed to slip a bit we can be forgetful of them we can neglect them some people just turn their backs on them you know, and that can be the case as, as marriage is concerned. But that can also be the case as far as what people have said regarding their belief in God, just like Jonah did. He had chucked his vows, but here he is rededicating, restating, renewing his vows to commit himself to following God and to preach his word, and to living for him, and to be obedient to him. You know, like the, the hymn that we're going to sing at the end. I, I have decided to follow Jesus. That, that is my vow. I, I do promise that I will follow him, and I'll put my hand to the plow, uh, and I'll commit myself to following Christ, to take up that cross and follow him. No turning back, though no one goes with me. Still I'll follow. And so, here is the, the great challenge to all of us that this whole incident is really leading up to. The renewal of our vows. Even on a morning like this. You know, the prayer that comes from the belly of the, of the fish, from the, from the voice of Jonah... I mean, that, that prayer can be our prayer today. All of these things. Just to have a moment of, of prayer here today. Reflection silently. In our distress. Out of our distress. Grateful for salvation. And renewing our vows to God. I mean, God in his goodness. God in his steadfast love. Here's that prayer of renewal. And, you know, the, the fish vomits him out. And there are these wonderful words in chapter um, 3, verse 1, aren't there? That the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. 
Wow, what a relief, eh? If God only spoke to us once, and that was, that was it, and we'd had our chance, and that was the end of it, where would any of us be? But just like Jonah, despite our failings, the word of the Lord comes to us a second time, and sometimes a third and a fourth time, so that we might listen and respond and renew our vows and go forward. So may God bless his word, and as I say, just as I pray, let's, let's all just reflect on this. Allow our prayer to ascend to the God of heaven as far as these things that have been highlighted are concerned. Lord, so we come to you. There's this one audible prayer just now, but we are all silently raising our hearts uh, to you. Lord, if you should observe iniquity... Who could possibly stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayst be feared. Lord, how grateful we are for your great salvation. That salvation is from the Lord. Lord, we're so grateful for the Lord Jesus, his his death upon the cross, his steadfast love, not allowing us just to run madly in the direction that we wanted to go but to stop us in our tracks to bring us back so that we can renew our vows to you lord help us to do that today renew our vows to follow our lord jesus christ wholeheartedly we commit ourselves to you we ask that your word touches all our hearts and power as we give thanks in his name amen amen